we play Oh Hello Jesus. Oh yeah, oh hello.
just singing that. You know that song, like I said, that Brother Michael was sharing in Sunday school, talking about God's Spirit. And, you know, the Spirit speaks to us at all times. But, you know, we've got to hear to that, that call when he's, he's talking to us. And, and uh, I just thank God for His sweet, sweet Spirit. Just thank God for that. Does anybody have a word you'd like to share? This time.
Can we sing that song we almost sang? <laughs> <laughs> we can. <laughs> Bottom of 390. <laughs> Y'all, that's my niece. I hope y'all like it. Sunday school lesson and everything just, I tell you, just filled me up. It really did. Boy, I love the Lord this morning. And I love Him more today than I did yesterday. Amen. 
And if he allows me to live tomorrow, I believe I'll love him more tomorrow than I do today. If that's possible, I will. Uh, but it's good to see each and every one of you. I, I, I love you and glad you're here today. We've got a good number here today. And uh, good to see uh, Drew and Mary Grace here with us today. And glad y'all were glad y'all were here. And, uh, some that hadn't been here in a while, good to see y'all. And uh, uh, we hope that you've gotten a blessing thus far out of this service. And, and uh, I have. And I uh, hope that God will continue to bless you. Uh, through this service. I thought about something a while ago that uh, Sister Hillary mentioned, and I have the same feeling that she has every so often. When you know that you're going to heaven and you know you've got a better place to go, sometimes, sometimes the trials and tribulations and troubles of this life uh, can seem to make us want to be in a little more of a hurry to get there. Linda gets on to me when I say that because she said, you just want to leave your family and go on? No, I don't. I love them and I know God's got a purpose uh, uh, for us. But I thought about when Sister Hillary said that, I thought about what the Apostle Paul said over Philippians. He said, for I am in a strait betwixt two having a desire to depart and to be with Christ what he says, which is far better. Amen. Far better. But he went on to say, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And uh, today, although we've got a better place to go and we're yearning for that place, we're all homesick for it, God has a work for each and every one of us to do. And there's people out in this world that's lost and undone without God. And he's dependent upon us to be a witness to them and to be alive in their life. And uh, all in due time, all in due time, we'll lay down. We'll lay down the tools of this world and the weapons of this world, and we'll cross that river. I'm glad of that today. Thank you for sharing that with us, Sister Hillary. It uh, meant a lot to me. Uh, I want to read to you here. This is a card from Sister Kathy and the Graves family. And uh, it says a special thank you. It says every kindness has a part in bringing joy to someone's heart. It's, easy, it's sometimes easy to forget that there are nice people out there doing nice things for others. Thanks for being uh, such a special reminder. And she wrote this and said, you truly uh, are a family for all, <clears throat> uh, all the love you have shown to me and Don over the past six months through gifts, food, uh, running errands, flowers, phones, calls, texts, prayers, visits, even feeding my animals. And it said, there are no words to describe how all this made us feel. This church is truly a blessing in Christian love, Kathy Graves. And Kathy, we love you. And uh, we're gonna continue to pray for you and uh, and for your family and uh, I told somebody a little earlier uh, I feel like that I'm a better person because of the time that I got to know Don Gray amen amen if you'll turn your Bibles to the uh, seventh chapter of second Kings second Kings the seventh chapter and uh, I'd like to read uh, 
a few verses or maybe several verses here in your hearing and try to expound on what God has uh, uh, shown us. And uh, I guess that's a preacher's dream is to try to be able to get it get it out the way the Lord shows it to us. And sometimes I, I, I know I fail in doing that, but uh, I appreciate God and I appreciate Him giving us some Scripture to read. And uh, uh, this is probably not going to be a bench jumping message or a shouting message, but it can be, it could be, uh, if we want it to. <clears throat> but over in uh, 2 Kings, uh, the seventh chapter, begins reading like this, and I'm probably going to have to read this chapter in order for us to get the, get the fullness out of it. But it said, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to, the, to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit... Uh, sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they arose up in the twilight to go down into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost parts of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost parts of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried them silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried them also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore uh, come that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the port of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of a man, but horses tied and asses tied, and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they uh, told it to the king's house within, and the king arose in the night and said to his servants, I will, show you, I will show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore, are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, 
When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. One of his servants answered and said, Let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain which are left in the city. Behold, they are all as of the multitude of Israel and that all that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of the Israelites uh, that are consumed. And let us send and see. They took therefore two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king, and the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians, so a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. And the king appointed the Lord, on whose hand he leaned, to have charge of the gate, and the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died as the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him. And it came to pass, as the man of God had spoken, to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, and a measure of fine flour for a shekel, shall be on the morrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God, and said, Now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be. And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell out unto him, for the people <coughs> trod upon him in the gate, uh, and he died. And I'd like to, just for a few minutes, I know that was rather lengthy reading, and I normally don't read that much, uh, but I'd like to preach on you uh, just a simple thought, uh, seeing but not experiencing. And I want you to uh, think about that just for a few minutes, uh, about the, uh, uh, the, the predicament uh, that this man got into. The Bible doesn't call him by name. He just said that he was a man on whose hand the king leaned. So I think it was somebody that the king of Israel put a lot of confidence in. And, uh, uh, but we know here that before all of this took place, I want to kind of bring us up to why uh, uh, that, uh, that all the place uh, is, is hungry and why this dearth is on the, uh, the land here uh, and why there's a famine. Uh, in the land. The Bible teaches us uh, a chapter or two uh, before this that the, uh, Elisha is in the midst of doing all kind of miracles through the power of God. And the Bible said uh, that the king of Syria uh, had set up that he was going to set up an ambush uh, for the Israelites. And so Elisha went and he told the king, uh, he told him to avoid this place for the Syrians have set up an ambush there and they'll, they'll kill us if we go through there. And so uh, by that warning that Elisha gave, the king uh, took warning and the Bible said that he was saved not once there, uh, but thrice, uh, three times. And so by taking the king's advice. And so uh, the Bible said that the king of Syria became very angry because somebody uh, had spilt the beans uh, to the king of Israel about uh, this ambush and about he was even accusing his own people of treason uh, about going and telling but they told him they said the man of God uh, told him uh, what you thought in your bedchamber the man of God uh, went and told the king of Israel and that's the reason uh, that the king of Israel knew uh, what was going to take place and he knew about 
had the ambush. And so uh, this angered this angered the king of Syria. And the Bible teaches us uh, that he sent to go after uh, to go after Elisha. And I believe that he went after him dead or alive. I believe that was the way he was going. He had heard uh, that he was down there in Dothan. And so uh, the Bible said that uh, he sent an army, a great host after him. And the Bible said that uh, when they came down there that the servant of Elisha got up early in the morning and looked and saw all these Syrians around uh, surrounding them. And, and he said, to Elisha said, Master, uh, what shall we do? I, I could just hear you. We're surrounded I, I, by the Syrians. I, I, they're coming to kill us. I, and we have no choice. I, I would just to fall in I, I, to them and to surrender I, to them. But the Bible teaches us I, how that Elisha I, asked the good Lord I, how to open the eyes of his servant I, how that he might see. I, and when he did, I, he opened the eyes of his servant. And I believe he could see a band of angels round about Elisha that Elisha knew was there all the time. But that didn't change the fact that the Syrians were coming after him. And the Bible said as they come, Elisha got down. I'm going to tell you, Elisha was a praying man. He sought God for every need he had in his life. And the Bible said that Elisha began to pray to God to smite blindness among the Syrians. And God heard his prayer. And while they were coming down off the mountain to apprehend Elisha, the Bible said they became blind. It wasn't a coincidence. God was answering prayer. And we know the story. The Bible said they got down there. And they didn't even know that they were talking to Elisha. Elisha told them, this is not the place. And I'm not the man you're looking for. And the Bible said that he led them over there into Samaria. And when he got them in the midst of the Samaria, he told the good Lord, he asked God, he said, open their eyes that they may see. And the Bible said that God opened the eyes of the Syrians there. And they looked around and they saw they were in the midst of Samaria. Now they were easy prey there for the Israelites. And the Bible said that the king of Israel went to the man of God, Elisha, and said, shall we smite them? Shall I smite them? He knew he had them right where he wanted them. But Elisha told him, he said, we're not going to smite him. Would you take a prisoner? And would you kill him? And the Bible says that Elisha told the king, said, make provisions for him. Give him water and give him something to eat. And the Bible said that he did. Amen. He followed the leadership of Elisha. But we get on down just a little ways. You know, a lot of times when God is merciful to people and God spares the people that could have been, I believe it would have been real easy for the Israelites to have consumed them there while they were in the midst of Samaria. But a lot of times when God protects us and takes care of us over a period of time, sometimes it's easy to forget that. And the Bible teaches us here that evidently the Syrians had forgotten 
what mercy was shown them by the king of Israel and by Elisha. And the Bible said that it came to pass that Abinadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besought it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver, and the fourth part of a <coughs> cap of doves dung for five pieces of silver. The way I understand this is the Syrians were starving them out. They couldn't have afford to buy anything. They didn't have the money to buy food. There was a famine in the land. People were starving. And I believe that this was Syria's way without having to fire a shot or shoot an arrow to completely take over Samaria. And the Bible teaches us that the famine had gotten so bad during this time that the king of Israel was walking by a wall and there was a woman there that hollered out, Lord, help us, or tried to get the king's attention. He let them know. He said, if God don't help you, there ain't nothing I can do. We're all in this sticks together. We're all starving to death. We're in a famine, we're in a dearth. What can I do? But he asked the woman, and I believe he was basically asking her, what have you got a problem any more than the rest of us have here? What's ailing you so bad? She said her and her neighbor had made a, an oath to one another that they would boil and eat her son today, and on the morrow they would boil and eat the other woman's son. And you don't think they were in a mess. Cannibalism had become just the option for them. But the problem was <clears throat> the reason this woman was having a fit was they boiled her son and ate him, but the other woman in the meantime went and hid her son. When the king of Israel heard what was happening, this was his people, and he thought, we've come to the point where mothers are eating their children. Unheard of, unspeakable, unthinkable. Bible said that he went and he got himself in sackcloth. And I believe he fasted. And he just he just couldn't believe what he saw there among his own people. And then anger began to come into the king's heart, into his mind. And he began to blame it on Elisha. He's the reason we're in this mess. You know a lot of times when problems happen around this world that Christians are the first ones to be blamed for the trouble? If you don't believe it, just look around. And the king was so angry at what was going on, he said, why should I wait on the Lord? We've waited long enough. 
People are starving to death. Mothers are eating their children. Why should I wait any longer upon the Lord? And he had come for the head of Elisha. But Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. I tell you, there was a lot of folks here that probably could believe that they would get over this, uh, this famine or this dearth in a period of time, but there was a man on whom the, whose hand the king leaned that just could not perceive that this would happen in a day. Amen. That by this time tomorrow, there would be food plentiful for everybody and everybody could buy it at an affordable price. He just, I couldn't believe that. And Elisha had told him there, he said, you're going to see it with your eyes. You're going to see the plenty that's there, but said you're not going to eat thereof for lack of faith. You know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Nobody knew how God was going to provide this, this great uh, supply and this great abundance of food to all these people. Nobody knew how they were going to do it. But God works in very, very mysterious ways. The Bible said that there were four lepers sitting outside the gate. And as you know, leprous people during this time were not allowed to be in contact with everybody else. They were considered unclean. And the Bible said that they sat there without the gate and they were debating on what they were going to do. Four of them. Some of them believed it was Gehazi and his three sons. I don't know who it was. but They were debating what they were going to do and they said uh, if we sit here we're going to die. If we do nothing, we're going to die. If we go back inside the gate, we're going to starve to death. There's nothing to eat there. We're in a famine. And they finally came to the conclusion, we'll just turn ourselves over into the hands of the Syrians. They knew that they had some things over there. And he said, they said, maybe they will have compassion on us because of our leprosy, the condition we're in. And if not, they just would kill us. We're dead if we stay here anyway. So they took the lesser of all the evils they could think of. And they went in there into Samaria. Luke said the Bible said in the twilight, the Bible said, to much to their surprise, it teaches us there was no man there in Samaria. But they found the tents as they were, left as they were. The Bible teaches us that they went and they, I'm sure they were hungry, they were in the famine just like everybody else, and they went into one tent and they filled their bellies up. They saw silver, they saw gold. And they did what uh, most people would do in their carnal mind, and they went and they hid. The Bible said they went into another tent, and they did the same thing. They took the silver and the gold, 
and they went and hid it. And it could have been left at that. But they realized that this was evil that they were doing by not sharing this and coming back to the Israelites and telling them what they had found. And they said, this is a day of good tidings and we're holding our peace. If we continue to do this, some evil will come across us, upon us by morning time. So they went and they told the, the porter of the city and he told the king of Israel, hey man, King of Israel suspected that it was a trick. But after all, they went and they, they found all these things that the leprous men told them were there. Let me tell you something about the Syrians. People who don't fear God, God can make them fear at the sound of a leaf shaking. Amen? There was no army there fixing to come in to Samaria, to smite Syria. But God let them hear a noise. Now whether it was a noise that everybody around could hear or just a noise that God only allowed those Syrians to hear, I don't know. But nevertheless, God allowed them to hear a noise. And they perceived that the king of Israel had gotten help from the Egyptians and some around them there. And that they were fixing to come in and wreak havoc on this place. And the Bible teaches us that it scared them so bad that they didn't even take time to grab up their belongings. But they hightailed it out of Samaria towards Jordan. They went in such a haste that when the king of Israel sent men, sent spies over there to see if what these leprous people were telling them was true, that when they went and followed the trail of where the Syrians went, they found garments of all kinds just out on the ground there. They were lightening their loads, scared to death today. I want you to understand that God can put a fear in our enemies today. He can put a fear in them that they will shake <coughs> at the sound of a noise. But I want to get back before I close. It seemed like I've kind of got off the thought that I had. But I want to get back to seeing but not experiencing. The Bible said that, and it didn't say that anybody else doubted or anybody else when Elisha said that by this time tomorrow things will be affordable and there'll be plenty. There'll be plenty to eat. Seemed like nobody else doubted it or nobody else questioned it except this man that the king put a lot of confidence in. This man on whose hand the king laid. He put a challenge out there said, except if God will open the windows of heaven, that's the only way this thing will be. There's no way that by this time tomorrow in a land that's starving to death will we have plenty. That just can't be. Let me tell you something. When we don't have faith in God, 
I believe it angers God. I believe that He takes that as a slap in the face. I remember uh, one time, I believe it was Sarah, when uh, God let them know they were going to have a son and, and, and she thought that was a joke. God's not pleased with that. The Bible teaches us that Elisha told him, said, you're going to see the great plenty tomorrow about this time, but you're not going to partake of it. Boy, what a coincidence would the world say. So after the king had satisfied that the Syrians were gone and that there was plenty to eat there, there was gold and silver over there in their camps, that they came down to spoil what was left down there and start feeding the folks. And just by chance, all in God's plan, the king told the man on who's in his hand, and on whose hand he lived, I wish they had told the man's name, told him, said, you're going to be the one to be here to get it as the people start coming in. Now these people are hungry. They had nothing to eat in a while. Mothers had already been eating babies, so you can imagine the situation they were in. He said, your job's going to be to be here today and keep law and order as the people come in so that they don't come in in a, in a way just grabbing stuff and writing in no order. All the time, God was saying, I'm going to put this man in a place where he's going to be trodden upon by all the people as they come in. You see a man that had so much honor that the king put a lot of confidence in, put a lot of faith in, a man that had that kind of honor was trodden down by the people as they came in the gate. We hear of it every so often, a concert or something where folks are just kicking in there quick enough and they're going through a door too small and several people get stomped to death. This man saw with his eyes the great plenty that was in Samaria, but he never tasted the first morsel of what was there. There's a lot of folks today that have seen with their eyes the miracles of God. The thing. See, Elisha, uh, Elisha wasn't a new kid on the block here. You read before, chapters before this, chapters after, God is, God is working through Elisha. He's causing iron, an axe head that is sunk to the bottom of the water. He caused it to swim, to come to the top. Amen. He caused all these things to happen. We read about Naaman who had leprosy. Amen. And that he went and did what Elisha's servant told him to do. And he was healed of his leprosy. So Elisha's popularity with the people and his power with God uh, was well known about what was going on around here. There's a lot of folks that have come to church and they've seen people testify about the saving grace of the Lord. Boy, I used to wonder when I was little, long before I ever got lost, I'd hear 
sainted ladies stand up, tears fall out, and talk about what the Lord had done for them. And I'm thinking to myself, how can they be so happy about something they can't see? <laughs> People have heard folks testify of the saving grace of our Lord. They've heard folks testify about how God has answered prayer. I like it when somebody says, I've got a praise report. Amen. That's praising God for something that He's done, something we've prayed for, and we see come to pass. Amen. Us as God's people, we can, we can relate to that. When somebody testifies about that, our spirit, I believe, bonds with their spirit, and we can relate to that. But there are folks who see it, they hear it, but they never experience it. They never experience it. This poor man, all it would have took was for him to believe Elisha, the man of God, believe what he said. If God said that tomorrow about this time, there's going to be plenty, then I'm going to believe that God said tomorrow about this time, there's going to be plenty. <coughs> but he thought God would have to do some great thing in order for this to be done. You see, God uses the simple things of this life to get glory. Who would have thought that four leprous men that were fixing to die would have been the messengers of good news. Amen. The Bible teaches us that Moses, right before he died, he was allowed to go up on Mount Nebo, I believe it was, and he got to look over into the land that God had promised to his people. But Moses was not allowed to go into that land. And that was for disobedience to God. Wasn't because God didn't love Moses. And we read that Moses died shortly thereafter. And they buried him. And he never got to physically go over into that land that he got to see. The Bible says... And I don't believe this is a parable. said there was a rich man and there was a beggar that came to his gate. I believe he came daily. The Bible said that he ate from the crumbs of the rich man's table. I take that to mean here's you some leftovers. <coughs> And the Bible said that Lazarus died and was carried up into Abraham's bosom. And that the rich man also died and in hell he lifted up his eyes. Quite a contrast. And the Bible said that and I believe this with all my heart that the rich man was able from hell to see Lazarus <clears throat> safe in the arms of Abraham. 
He knew he was doomed and couldn't go where Abraham was. But he was so tormented in the place that he was at that he had one request that Abraham would let Lazarus dip his finger into water and touch it to his tongue for he said, I'm tormented in these flames. Abraham began to explain to him, there's a great gulf fixed between you and us. You can see us, but you can't experience it. What a sad, sad thing that would be. That would be. There's folks have heard the gospel. They've seen the hand of God. They've seen folks healed. They've seen all kind of miracles that God has done. Yet they've never, ever experienced it. You can't have a testimony until you experience the love of Jesus Christ. That's why we call it an experience of grace. It's somewhere, sometime, someplace where you came to know Jesus and He reached down and you reached up and saved your dying soul. Amen. Amen. Our goal should be here at the church is for folks to experience what we've experienced. Amen. Not only see, not only hear, but be able to experience what we've experienced. Belinda's got a little dog and it comes to the supper table every time we're eating. And if we don't, if we have something that don't cost a whole lot, like a potato chip or a cheese curl, we might pitch one down there too. <laughs> but if we're eating steak or something that costs a little money, all he does is look. He can see it. He can lick his lips. He moan and groan. But he will not experience what we're experiencing in that. Today, You've seen, you may be here today, never been saved, Lord. I don't know, I don't know. I've never been one, one of them preachers that can say that one, say that one ain't. I don't have that authority or that ability. But God knows your heart. And you know where you are with God. And I'd love to beg you today, if you've been seeing the works of God, you've been seeing what He can do, what He has done, I'd love for you to come and experience, experience for yourself, the one-on-one -on -one relationship between you and the Lord. I love hearing everybody else's experience of grace. I love hearing everybody else's praise reports, amen. But boy, I love most of all with me and Jesus, and just one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> and he's blessing me, and he's giving me something to testify about. Amen. Amen. There's folks that are dying and going to hell that have seen with their eyes but never experienced what, what the love of God is. There's people who are dying and going to hell who have, who have seen other people happy but never known what peace was like a river that surpasses all understanding. It's that peace, Sister Pam, that 
when somebody's life seems to be in turmoil and carnally speaking they have every reason to be discouraged or angry or mad at the world yet they can't do anything but praise God that's the kind of experience that I'm talking about today. Bringing what we see. I'm so glad today that when I was a little child that I could see those same people talking about the Lord, what they had done for me. I didn't understand nothing about it. Didn't really care to know. But I'm glad, Brother Bobby, that I've experienced what they've experienced. Amen. <laughs> When you can just stand and say, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. With the blessings of God. With the blessings of God. This poor man didn't believe what Elisha was saying. Therefore, he got to see it with his eyes. But he never got to eat thereof. Don't you think that these things were all coincidences? It was all in God's plan. It was in God's plan for four lepers that were fixing to die. It was in God's plan that they go over there and turn themselves into the series. God had that all worked out. How would Israel have known that the Syrians had left all this stuff over there and they're over there starving to death, eating babies when all this plenty was right there at hand because God had a plan. I'd like for everybody to stand, if you will, and Brother Wayne come give us a song. If you've never experienced what it is to be saved today, to know that you know that you know what Brother Michael taught us in Sunday school that once we become one of his, once we become saved, no matter how bad we get or away from God we get, we can't unsave ourselves. Boy, I'm glad of that. Because so many of us today would lose our salvation if that was possible. Really would. If you've never experienced what it is to have that deep, settled peace that only God can give in your life. Maybe you're here and you've been saved, but it's been a while since you've experienced some things that you saw other people have. Amen. And you want to experience that again. You want to have the joy restored. David asked God to restore the joy of his salvation. That meant that somehow another how David had allowed himself to get away from that joy. But he said, restore the joy of thy salvation. Let me experience once again what I experienced over there. Amen. And God will do it today. Go ahead and say. 480 and celebrate him. 480.
he said, I, I've seen people enjoy their salvation. I've seen people rejoice when they had every reason to be discouraged. I've seen tears fall out of people's eyes and, and just confess what God had done for them. Seen people cry and confess, believing that God would hear a prayer request. <clears throat> Something in their life that really has got them down and got them discouraged. But I've seen them stand up here in this church with the tears falling down and ask them to come and gather room at the altar, amen, and pray, believing God can do what He says He'll do. Amen. You may be saying, I, boy, I'd like to have that kind of faith. I'd like to know that when I pray that I could ring the prayer bells of heaven and that God would hear me pray. I'd like to experience what that person's experienced. I've seen it on them, seen it on those, but I'd like personally to experience that. Today you can experience what you've seen. You really can. You can have that deep settled peace that comes from the Lord and it surpasses all understanding. I've never been able to preach it as good as God gives it. Amen. I'm never able to give it enough credit of the credit that is due. But if you'll experience it for yourself, amen, he'll show you that. He'll show you that. Boy, I'll tell you what, it's such a peace to know that whatever happens tonight, amen, that I'm okay tomorrow. Isn't that, isn't that a good peace to have? If something happens tomorrow, I'm okay the next day. Amen. Oh, we would all like to look into the future and know exactly what's going to take place here and there. But that's all in God's hands. And you and I are living by faith today. Believing and trusting and experiencing His grace and knowing that no how, no, how bad things get. By the leadership of God, we love we love for you to come at this time. If you need to pray, the altar's open for you to pray, whatever you need to do.